Welcome back to Listen Well. I'm Dr. Mo Al-Swaydan. In today's episode, we'll be talking about an illness that often remains a mystery for a long while until it's accurately diagnosed. It's a disease that presents with a multitude of symptoms and has been called the disease with a hundred faces. Patients often suffer from anxiety from the time between the onset of symptoms until it's accurately diagnosed. I'm talking about multiple sclerosis, or MS. On today's episode, we have two experts by experience around MS. Ms. Federica Balzani is Vice President of the European Multiple Sclerosis Platform, EMSP, which represents MS societies from across Europe. She also has 15 years of experience with AISM, the Italian MS Society. Being a person with MS, Federica is particularly dedicated to the common cause of joining forces between people with MS and MS organizations to achieve positive change. Mr. Pete Elin is a clinical nurse specialist in multiple sclerosis working at the National Multiple Sclerosis Center in Belgium. He's been guiding and supporting persons with MS in his clinical practice with a special focus on chronic disease management and lifestyle factors. He also organizes courses for nurses to stimulate development and education. Welcome both to the program. So thank you both for being with us today. Federica, let me start with a question for you. What is MS from your perspective, from a patient perspective? Can you explain it in simple language for our listeners? Of course. From a patient perspective, MS can mean several things. It can be described with a feeling such as fear, sadness, frustration, challenge, but also relief after a long journey of diagnosis. And it can be pictured as something that breaks the normal chain of events, as something that breaks and is no longer able to protect you. Um, MS has also different meanings for a patient, as MS has a thousand faces, is different from person to person, and therefore can mean different things. It can also have different meanings depending on the moment. Uh, a person's life is made up uh, of different moments and MS has different meanings uh, depending on each moment. But in my personal experience, multiple sclerosis had several meanings. But uh, one of them remains constant during my life, the unknown. The fear that something will happen without uh, knowing how and without knowing when it will manifest itself. I'm a person living with MS since uh, 2007, and MS is a constant presence, latent, even if uh, I consider uh, myself lucky. As for now, I had not major relapses. MS changed myself. I see my life in a different way with more philosophy, taking advantage of all the opportunities that uh, are offered to me. This is a positive aspect, I think, that has changed my life and my perspective. And so I try to not limit myself. I think that's very powerful. And you, you talked about a lot of the personal experience, not just at the symptom level. If I can follow up with Pete, can you go more into depth around the perspective from a clinical world, from nursing. What does MS mean and uh, can you explain it to our listeners? 
Thank you for the question, Dr. Mo. In fact, maybe I can just start to say that MS is a disease of the central nervous system. Uh, so that's the brain and the spinal cord. It's an autoimmune disease, and that means that due to an unknown reason, the body will react against the body's own cells, more specific to the myelin in the central nervous system. And, and MS is also a chronic disease, which means that it's something that cannot be cured and often goes in a progressive course, which means that symptoms, complaints, and problems can increase progressively. And if, if we see a little more the prevalence of MS in the world, then we can say it's the most common non-congenital disease of the central nervous system. And in young adults, it's the second leading cause to neurological disability after brain injury. In Europe, around 650,000 persons are living with MS, and in worldwide, it's 2.5 to 3 million. First symptoms occur often between the age of 20 and 45, which means it has a tremendous impact as this is the most, that is often the most productive and social status developing phase of their life. Unfortunately, there is a high labor market dropout. Some studies showed that after 10 years after diagnosis, up to 75% of people living with MS stopped working. And, and finally, we can say that not only persons living with MS are affected, but also their relatives and carers are impacted. Mm. So in Europe, there are more than 1 million people who are living with or with someone with MS. I think the way you summarized it is very important because you mentioned what's happening at the cellular level and then all the way up to what's happening in a person's life. Can I take you back just to the cellular level for a second? You mentioned that the body's attacking myelin. So can we explain what that is for the listeners? Yeah. Well, due to that unknown reason, the body itself will react against the myelin in the, in the central nervous system. Some lymphocytes who are, I, I call it always, not good programmed, will pass the brain blood barrier, go through into the central nervous system and will attack the myelin. And at that moment, we're talking about a relapse or an inflammation. And that's one of the two processes that are going on in MS. You have inflammation and after you have the degeneration of the disease. So it's eating away at this sheath, the myelin sheath covering the brain cells. Covering the neurons, in fact, who are transferring the signals from the brain to all, to all the, the limbs and to all the organs. So what are the symptoms that a person would experience? MS is a, a very heterogeneous disease that manifests itself in different clinical forms. In most people living with MS, 85%, it starts with a relapsing remitting pattern in which relapses of neurological disorders alternate with periods of recovery and relative stability. About half of these patients progress to a secondary progressive phase over time with a more gradual neurological decline and with less or no relapses. 15% of all patients have primary progressive disease pattern from the start. So as you were asking about the symptoms, well, MS can lead to unpredictable and diverse neurological disorders. Often the disease starts with an optic neuritis, but other common symptoms include motor and sensory disturbances, coordination problems, difficulty in swallowing or speech, 
and visual problems, but also invisible complaints such as bladder, bowel, or sexual disorders, pain, fatigue, depression, cognitive and emotional problems. So it's really all aspects of the brain can be affected because we you talked about the special senses like vision, starting with optic neuritis, so this inflammation of, of that main nerve going to the eye and, and someone can have partial blindness for a while or visual disturbances to kind of the other senses, to the movement, but also to aspects like cognition and emotion. So it's really so many different ways this disease can present. Everything in the body is like controlled or coordinated by the central nervous system. And as it's a disease of the central nervous system, every aspect of it can be uh, affected, of course. Yeah. So if I can come back to you, Federica, we heard about the symptoms of MS, the statistics, and that's all very important. But I'm wondering what it was like for you as a personal experience. What was that journey like from having symptoms and figuring out what's going on and, and getting care and dealing with the diagnosis? Can you walk us through your story? Yes, of course. Uh, the first aspect I would like to share with you is uh, the uncertainty of MS and of the diagnosis. Because in my experience, uh, the uncertainty of the diagnosis continued for more than one year. I had my first acute episode in which important symptoms appeared, such as asthenia, electric shocks, leco-sensitivity in the limbs, tingling. After more than one year, I received the diagnosis of MS. It was a long period of constant checks, MRI every four months. Some soft symptoms also returned during this period, such as a lack of sensitivity and tingling in my hands, but the diagnosis didn't come. I received the diagnosis after more than one year, after some small new lesion. In my experience, the moment of the diagnosis was like a relief <laughs> after a long period of uncertainty. I was able to give a name to something that I had. After this first period, this first moment, I have the constant fear of the uncertainty, of course, about how the disease will evolve, because this aspect of the uncertainty is constant in MS. You, you could have many symptoms, you could have a progression of MS, so this is a constant aspect in my life. You know, I think it's quite interesting to hear that receiving the diagnosis comes as a relief, but it makes sense because you're going through this whole year where you don't know what's going on and you're getting all these tests and you're looking for an answer from the doctors. After that initial relief, how do you go from there to accepting that uncertainty, to being able to move on with your life and do the things you want to do in your life while that uncertainty is still there? The acceptance is not an easy process, in my opinion. In general, it is not a certain goal for everyone, as it is not certain that all people with MS will reach it. In my experience, I figure out all the possible scenarios. A stable MS, a progression, the use of a medical device, or a wheelchair. I also saw the examples of some people living with MS, who despite their MS carried out important life projects and challenged the disease. This is an exercise helped me. In my experience, it was also probably easier to accept a diagnosis in the absence of symptoms because this was my situation. 
in that period. So I think that watching the, the, the examples of people living with MS helped me in this process of acceptance of the MS. Yeah, because as Pete mentioned earlier, a lot of people go through this same journey. Maybe I can come back to you, Pete. You see a lot of patients. What is it like for them? Are their journeys similar to what Federica described? That's an interesting one. No, I think every journey is different. Of course, symptoms can differ also. The same structures that are attacked, but every person with MS is different. We also talk about the 1,000 faces of MS. And as MS is, is really a complex and heterogeneous disease, which presents itself often in a different way, it's different from person to person, yeah. And, well, due to the diversity of the symptoms and, and also, like Federica also mentioned, the un- unpredictability of the occurrence of the symptoms, and, and, and that's why MS is not only one of the most difficult neurological disorders to treat, but it's also quite complicated to come to a good and fast diagnosis. Federica spoke a bit about uh, acceptance. And for you, Pete, what kind of connections between acceptance and then patients moving to lifestyles that may in turn benefit their recovery, like a healthy lifestyle? What, what kind of things should people be doing as they go into this acceptance and disease management phase from a lifestyle perspective? Well, that's really a difficult step. Only if one accepts the condition where you're living in as being part of yourself you can start working on it, I think. We have to give as much information as possible, links, things to read, see the patient on a regular basis, and and check with the patient if there are some new questions. If a person's with MS, I think, and there are several topics, of course, that we can discuss with a patient from food intake to stop smoking, uh, sleep hygiene, energy management, and so on. And another thing that I like to mention here from the start, it's important. Finally, you have to give the strength to the patient or the patient has to have the strength to go on with his life. Okay, you have MS and now we go on with life and we go on with my plans and maybe we have to take into account some major things, but you have to go on with your life and you have to give the strength to the patient that they can go on with their life. One thing that I'm talking quite in a fast way with a patient is rehabilitation. So it means like rehabilitation before you need like uh, physiotherapy and so on. And uh, I I find it a a nice term, uh, prehabilitation instead of rehabilitation, working on prevention. Preventing something before it happens. My name's Pat Villano. I'm head of innovative programs R&D at Beatrice. I've been in the industry over 30 years now. I work on a variety of different development projects, generics, innovative, as well as third-party collaborations. We have a long history of developing multiple sclerosis therapies, at least 15 years, if not longer. I had an opportunity at the end of last year to sit and spend some time with a multiple sclerosis patient and a patient advocate, actually. He's about my age, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis back in the early 90s. At that time, of course, there were just a handful of therapies available. And we talked about that and and how he has seen over the, the last 30 years that the number of therapies increase, the number of treatment options, and just how that means so much to patients. I found the experience with him just humbling and inspiring, just really to see 
how much of a difference new treatment options, advances make for the patient's day-to-day existence. It's just so easy when you're working and doing what you have to do to lose sight of that. It just was so very inspiring. I just can't emphasize enough how very important it is to stay connected as a pharma company who has great potential to make these improvements for patients to stay connected with what the patients see as lacking. It's the reason that we are here doing what we do every day. So Federica, how has MS affected your life in terms of lifestyle? What sort of challenges have been there and how have you adapted? I think that in general, it is possible that a person with MS has to reshape her or his lifestyle, especially if there is a progression of the disease with a strong disability. A person with MS, like me, every time, could be in front of some difficult situation or choices. For example, will I be able to work? Do I need to tell my boss? How do I tell my boss mm-hmm. or other question for the social life? Like, uh, will I be able to be normal with my partner or friends uh, or for the family planning? Can I have a children? Will my children also have a mess? The presence of uh, an MS society, as well as the presence of a prepared multidisciplinary team of uh, healthcare professionals, are very important to support people in their choices, providing the right information, of course, organizing peer support group, etc. I didn't have to do many changes in my life because uh, I'm, I'm lucky because I have not so many symptoms. So in this moment, uh, I know that I can do all the things I, I did before. But I think every day in my life uh, to this question that uh, I share with you, Pete, with the patients you've worked with, when they ask themselves these questions, how do you help them reflect and what kind of decisions do they come to about coming out with their illness to to work for family planning, issues like that? Well, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm working in a rehabilitation center for multiple sclerosis. And so we have a whole team behind us. I think it's it's important that, first of all, we have to point out that the center of the whole system is the patient or the person living with MS himself or herself. It's good to have an MS care unit around the person who is living with MS. And at uh, certain points, different players can be uh, asked to give their support, their care, their advice. Um, Being an MS nurse, I think we are really, together with the neurologist, the first one who come in contact with the person uh, who is living with MS. And as we all know, if a patient gets the diagnosis of MS and you are in the office of a doctor, it's quite difficult to remember everything when you're coming out. And then having the opportunity to go to the office of the MS nurse and talk it over again and having really a contact point with the, with the MS nurse is tremendously important. So I think that we have to go through everything with the patient again. Where are you? Where are your questions? Uh, how can we uh, support you? And then, of course, linking on on the right moment to the right person to give the adapted professional support concerning work, concerning energy management, concerning uh, mobility uh, aids or something else. 
right? I think the term support is so important. So many times in this podcast, we've talked about patients with different healthcare issues, you know, really emphasizing that you're not alone. And so Federica, can I come back to you and ask you about some of the support that has been available to you from the community and from family? Can you use some examples of your experience with that? I think that there are different types of support for people living with MS. Neurologist doctors who are patients for stakeholders who should be able to ensure a multidisciplinary approach for the disease, able to reassure the patient from the diagnosis, the family, the social context, and the MS societies. I take the example of ISMA, my Italian MS society. ISM works at 360 degrees for MS. This means that ISM is the reference point for all the people living with MS and NMOSD in Italy. It provides information on the disease and its management, for example, treatments, social care information, laws information. In ISM, we have a network of lawyers, social workers, uh, neurologists uh, who respond uh, to every request through our tool free number and thanks to our 100 local branches across Italy. ISM advocates uh, at different levels, national and local, and provides uh, the opportunity for peer meetings uh, between people living with MS. I think that this is very important. This was my first question to my MS society, having uh, the, the, the opportunity to meet uh, other young people living with MS and uh, ISM provide these meetings and organize mobility support, uh, wellness activities, uh, psychological support. Uh, it has also a network uh, of professionals uh, and organized training courses for uh, healthcare professional. So I think that is very important to find a well-structured organization able to respond to any type of need. It sounds like they're doing a really amazing job. Pete, can you expand on some of the support offered from healthcare professionals, any other organizations uh, you're aware of or have worked with? I think in different countries, it will be organized a little bit different. I see that mostly there are not that much rehabilitation centers in, in Europe as we have here in our center here in, in, in Melsbrook in Belgium. The healthcare support is given, first of all, by neurologists and MS nurses, and then it's also by the societies, which have a really good work in every different country. Like Federica already explained about the, the work of ISM in Italy. In, in the UK, we have the MS Trust. In, in Belgium, we have the leagues. And in every country, like in Germany, France, and every country in, in Europe, there are really uh, good working uh, MS societies on a different level. Not that much uh, rehabilitation centers, as I, I mentioned already, do exist, but some of the rehabilitation, some of the AMS centers in, in general or in university hospitals are really convinced of the MS care units and are working with multidisciplinary uh, teams, uh, supporting the, the, the patient on an ambulatory or even in an indoor setting. In our center, for example, we have both. It, it has a, a tremendous impact to have really a period of three to six weeks that you are just focusing your problems and thinking of yourself and of your rehabilitation. 
That's great. So Federica, there's this platform called the European Multiple Sclerosis Platform, EMSP. Can you tell us more about this organization and the work that they do? Of course. The European Multiple Sclerosis Platform is very active. Uh, it's a pan-European umbrella organization working with members' organizations from 37 countries. We aim to ensure that the more than 1 million people affected by MS in Europe have a real voice in determining their own priorities. Uh, we represent the national societies at the uh, European level. Some of our work includes uh, advocacy and awareness raising campaigns to influence European decision makers and uh, EU policy makers, gathering data and providing knowledge and expertise to relevant stakeholders, uh, encouraging high quality research and the dissemination of excellent evidence-based information on MS. EMSP drives uh, MS Nurse Pro the first online foundation education program for nurses working in the field of multiple sclerosis. The MS nurse is key in the provision of experts and consistent information, support and advice for people living with MS. From the moment of diagnosis and throughout the disease trajectory, the nurse ensures a shared and coordinated approach to care. Across Europe, the role, skill set, and professional development of MS nurses varies. I also would like to share our experience in Italy because uh, we have we have a network of healthcare professionals. So important, of course, for people living with MS. And uh, the name of uh, um, this network is SISM, Sclerosis Nursing Society. And it promotes and increase the professionalism of nurses who work with people living with MS since uh, 2003. That's amazing. It's so important to have that awareness building. One of the things I've realized in working in mental health is that if we don't promote awareness at the societal level, we don't have better health literacy amongst patients and supporters of patients. But as you said, decisions are made at the government level. And if there's no awareness, then the right decisions that help patients and their families are not made just because of the lack of knowledge. Coming back to Pete, what about the work of this other excellent organization, MS Nurse Pro? Can you tell us about this organization and what they do? Federica mentioned already of that MS Nurse Pro is the e-learning platform for nurses that is owned by EMSP, of course. EMSP did several questionnaires along, among, uh, along European nurses and MS nurses, MS nurse associations, concerning the level of education of nurses concerning multiple sclerosis. And that was the basis, in fact, of elaborating the foundation course, uh, which is offered on that platform, MS Nurse Pro. It consists uh, of six modules. The first one is understanding MS. And then we have a module on clinical presentations, diagnosis and assessment, a module on treatment, which is in review uh, at this moment, a fifth one on care and support, a sixth on rehabilitation in MS. And we're soon the seventh one on nursing research in MS will be published. We have these interactive courses who focus on information 
education of nurses who are working with uh, persons living with MS. At this point, nearly 8,000 users are registered in uh, the MS Nurse Pro platform. It's, it's available in 13 languages. Recently, uh, we launched it in Hungarian, and probably in the future, some other languages uh, will follow. Some of the users of our platform are also persons or patients living with MS themselves. They often go through course one, uh, understanding MS. It's the most basic course. So they can understand what is MS, in fact, and, and, and how will it impact their life. These modules, they finally lead to a, a test or an exam, and that will, will lead to a certification or an accreditation. And at this point, uh, for example, for example, at the University of Birmingham in the UK, these models are already accepted and can be followed by students in, in, in medicine or in nursing. And for the moment, we are working on the acceptance in the educational programs for nurses in Germany, France, Italy, Spain, and so on. Besides that, we have a communication building around the MSNet, uh, the MS Nurse Pro. So to uh, facilitate contacting each other and uh, nurses from, from around Europe. And I find it really amazing that part where you said that even patients find it useful. So I think one of the things I've seen working in clinical care is that patients sometimes feel isolated and not feel like they understand what's going on in the clinical world from the, the clinician perspective. So that connecting of bridges is also, I think, really vital. That brings me to kind of the last part of the podcast. Let me start with Federica. What kind of message do you want people listening to this episode today to come out with? If you Want them to take one thing and learn it really well. Live your life beyond uh, multiple sclerosis, of course. This is my message for all the people living with a mess. Live your life. So you are not your disease. It doesn't define you. With or without your disease, but you have to challenge them. Right. Pete, any words of wisdom from your side? Well, I think it's quite important that we have the capacity to empower the people to live with their MS and go on with their life. Like Friedrich told us already so, so beautifully, that's really the thing that is most important for the patient. And the most important thing for the, for the healthcare profession is empowerment of the, of the person living with MS. Empowerment in his self-management, let's say. And I find empowerment comes from knowledge. And so hopefully listeners today come out from this episode with some knowledge around symptoms, around the spread of this disease, about the challenges and also about the resources that can help them and you know that they feel that they're supported and not alone. Thank you both so much for joining us. Really a wealth of knowledge in this episode and I hope it's been useful to everyone listening. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. We've talked about so many important issues that have to do with diagnosing and treating MS in today's episode. I think one of the most important things we touched on is that help is out there and you're not alone. It's as important to adopt a healthy lifestyle as it is to seek medical treatment. And because this is a chronic illness where symptoms come and go over time for most people, it's important to have networks of support around you. This includes your family and friends, but also professional societies and societies of patients as we talked about. And these societies exist in regions across the world. Reach out to your family, your loved ones, and your healthcare professionals. And remember, 
When it comes to getting the accurate healthcare information that you need, always speak up and listen well.